Palm Sunday by Malcolm Geit. Now to the gate of my Jerusalem, the seething holy city of my heart, the Savior comes. But will I welcome him? O crowds of easy feelings, make a start. They raise their hands, get caught up in the singing, and think the battle won. Too soon they'll find the challenge. The reversal he is bringing changes their tune. I know what lies behind the surface flourish that so quickly fades. Self-interest and fearful guardedness. The hardness of the heart, its barricades, and at the core the dreadful emptiness of a perverted temple. Jesus, come break my resistance and make me your home. At length, says one scholar, the time of the end had come. Jesus was about to make entry into Jerusalem as king, king of the Jews, as heir of David's royal line, with all of the symbolic typic and prophetic import attaching to it. Yet not as Israel after the flesh expected its Messiah to make triumphal entrance, but rather as deeply and significantly expressive of his mission and work, and as of old the rapt seer had beheld afar off the outlined picture of the Messiah King, not in the proud triumph of war conquests, but in the meek rule of peace. Jesus, in the narrative of his passion, comes to the holy city today, being greeted with acclaim. It is indeed, as our poet implies, a seething city, set afire with visitors for the Passover. It is filled with many, many visitors, and it is likely the visitors who form most of the welcome to the city. Jesus set off that Sunday morning from Bethany and sent the disciples to get the colt. At some point before the city, he sits upon the colt, and the true procession starts with a crowd likely with him meeting a crowd coming from the city. The disciples are quite caught up with the whole affair. You can imagine how exciting it must have been. St. Luke records that as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the, of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen. Our scholar notes that we should not wonder too much about the ignorance of the disciples regarding this event in which they themselves were the chief actors. We are too apt, he says, to judge them from our standpoint 18 centuries later and after full apprehension of the significance of the event. These men walked in the procession almost as in a dream or as dazzled by a brilliant light all around, as if impelled by a necessity they carried from event to event which came upon them in a succession of but partially understood surprises. The whole city seems set afire and the time for silence is apparently at an end. It is now time for public declaration and this entry into Jerusalem is just that. Jesus is not telling anyone to keep anything a secret anymore. Jesus is moving into full public view as the Messiah. Our scholar says that it is not only a public assertion of his Messiahship, but a claim to its national acknowledgement. Yet even so, this Messiahship is not the one that Israel had at this time been imagining, but rather that which the Savior had foretold just and having salvation lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. 
So we see the crowds of easy feelings make a start. We see them raise their hands, get caught up in the singing, and we can imagine how they might think the battle won. What Malcolm Geitch is doing for us in his poem is making this scene on the original Palm Sunday very personal. He's making us ask the question regarding the reception of the Messiah in Jerusalem that day as a question of our own hearts. Now to the gate of my Jerusalem, the seething holy city of my heart, the Savior comes. We too can become quite excited about the Messiah, but what happens to our heart by the time we get to Thursday night? to Friday? How do we handle the challenge, the reversal? Do we change our tune? Like the crowds on the original Palm Sunday, do we have self-interest at heart? Are we fearful and guard against the sword of the Spirit that wants to probe our hearts? Ultimately, do we have a perverted temple at the core of our heart? Yes, we really do much of the time, for we put our own selfish interests on the altar of our hearts. We sacrifice to ourselves, <coughs> excuse me, we sacrifice to ourselves far too often each and every day. Jesus is banished from our hearts in our selfish sin, yet our fulfillment as humans only happens when he fills our hearts. Thus, our poet ends the sonnet with the simple prayer, Jesus, come. Break my resistance and make me your home. I'm sure for some of you that line brings up another sonnet that makes the same request. Allow me to end this morning with the lines of Father John Donne in his holy sonnet 14. Batter my heart, three-personed God, for you as yet but knock, breathe, shine, and seek to mend, that I may rise and stand or throw me and bend your force to break, blow, burn, and make me new. I, like an usurped town to another, do labor to admit you, but owe to no end. Reason, your viceroy in me, me should defend, but is captive and proves weak or untrue. Yet dearly I love you and would be loved fain, but am betrothed unto your enemy. Divorce me, untie or break that knot again, Take me to you, imprison me, for I accept you, enthrall me, shall never be free, nor ever chaste, except you ravish me. Amen.